0: This episode is sponsored by Exactuals, perfecting insurance payments and the data driving them. How about you tell us a little bit about what is 90? Sure, 90, um, we
1: are innovation experts for the insurance sector, so we combine a deep um, practice and expertise in the art of innovation with a, a passion and a, and a real focus on the insurance world. And so we're helping carriers and reinsurers around the world to, to crack innovation challenges in two areas. The first is uh, taking new insurance ideas to market, which we do in 60 days. So the the, 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 the acceleration of, of real ideas. And so we we deal a lot in in ideas, in insurance.
0: The second thing we do is to help
1: them become better at innovating, so training, operational model design, innovation funding, um, setting up innovation functions, that kind of thing. And those are the the two things we do. We've been um, honored to be voted by the sector as uh, consultancy of the year for the last two years running, working for most of the the large carriers, um, uh, across Europe, many in, in North America, and increasingly doing stuff in Asia-Pacific. And we are a business with a, a little bit of a difference um, in as much as, yes, we're a for-profit business, but um, we're also very much a for-purpose business. And the, the the reason for our name, 90, is that we give 90% of all the profit we make away to charitable causes. Um, we love the insurance industry because it helps. Um, take the risk uh, or help deal with the risk in day-to-day life for humanity and for businesses. And 90% of our profits we give back into causes that are primarily working in developing countries to help alleviate some of the risk challenges that the poorest of the poor face. So things around healthcare and education and access to funding for micro businesses, that kind of stuff. Uh, So that's us as a business.
0: Yeah, no, sorry for interrupting you. I always consider an insurance as the safety rope or the safety net that enables entrepreneurs to take that step, to jump, you know, off the cliff and start climbing or whatever that may be. Because when we think about the history of it, it started for the merchants. And I'm not just talking about Lloyds, I'm talking about pre lloyds uh, Venice was the famous when, you know, all the merchants went and started um, to do their voyage beyond the horizon. And that safety net for the entrepreneurs or for the economy, it's something that we feel until today. Although today it became a little bit more and more complex, thoughtful. And you guys doing a lot of work of helping the insurance companies, mainly the incumbents, of taking that uh, step forward. What exactly is the definition of innovation?
1: Hmm. So it varies. There is, there is no single definition of innovation. How, um, how I describe it is a change, no matter how big, that is executed at scale, not just an idea. And that makes a positive difference either for the business or its customers or its staff. So it's something new. It's something that has been commercialized. Something that makes a positive difference for one of those three stakeholder groups. So it can be a tiny little, a tiny little change. You know, so the cleaner in your kitchenette changes the way in which they stack the coffee cups. Okay, that's tiny, but I would say that's a tiny innovation. Um, and at the big end of the spectrum, it's it's um, the kind of major innovations that we that we know and love, and that we talk about at conferences. Um, shall I tell you about my favorite innovation from 2020?
0: Please do of course. yeah uh,
1: I love this one So um, this is one we were we, we had the honor to be part of uh, of helping get to, to get the early stages underway. but we were approached by AXA Excel on the commercial PNC side of things out of their, their Lloyd's um, or london- based uh, office and the question was, could we find a way to underwrite, and therefore risk transfer and to a degree risk manage, a portion of the logistics chain in the delivery of vaccines in developing countries? So here's the context. Um, this is pre-COVID, okay, pre-COVID-19 vaccines. Um, the context is the insurers can insure the pharmaceutical research process. They can ensure the pharmaceutical production process. They can ensure the logistics companies who come and pick up the vaccines in the refrigerated trucks. They can uh, ensure the transit in a shipping container on the high seas of those vaccines out to a port in, I'm making this up now, Malawi in Africa. But once it gets to to about there, um, someone opens the container The fridge goes off and they take a box of vaccines out and they stick it on the back of a motorbike and they take it out to a clinic, somewhere out in a village, in the middle of the bush, as it were. And at that point, nobody knows whether those vaccines have remained cold and therefore whether they remain effective when they go into the arm of a person, child, in the clinic in the village. So there's a humanitarian challenge here. There's also a business challenge. The business challenge is, we can't underwrite that last portion the journey. And so we're missing an opportunity to generate an underwriting profit on that portion. Obviously, it is, it's underpinned by this humanitarian need to make sure that we've actually got an effective vaccine going into the arm of this person. Um, and so we, we innovated um, an approach to this challenge with uh, the Gates Foundation, who put a lot of money into vaccines, an organization called Gavi, who uh, deal with the distribution of vaccines on global scale, particularly to developing countries um, a, an IOT startup scale up called Parcel, um, who had an IOT uh, temperature uh, sensor that could go in these units and a few other organizations who came together to, to kind of co-innovate a solution. And I remember getting a text message from one of my colleagues who was in uh, helping facilitate the innovation process. Saying, "Wow, we've got it! You know, we've just had the aha moment. We've just had the breakthrough moment, and we've suddenly there's an idea on the table that we can see. None of us would have individually come up with the idea, but together the collaboration developed an idea. Fast forward nine months, that idea has now launched at Lloyd's of London as a new syndicate. It's called the Global Health Risk Facility, and that now provides an underwriting mechanism." the underwriting of that last stage of the journey so that we can afford to put that sensor in that box and therefore track the efficacy of the vaccine all the way through to clinic. Um, and that's Global Health Risk Facility, that innovation from last year is now being used for the distribution of and the, and the, and the risk management and, and protection of COVID-19 vaccines to the world's poorest. So that's a, an example of why I love insurance innovation it's uh, it's a sector, insurance is a sector which makes such a huge difference to humanity. And innovation is a technique, is the best technique that we have as humanity for solving large problems. And so taking those two things together, a sector which is addressing many of the world's biggest problems and a technique which is, gives us a, a toolkit for solving those problems, putting the two things together, that's what we love. Um, and that's why that, that that innovation from last year is my favorites um, from the last year. So, Micro micro Insurance um, operates not just in Africa. No, there's some very big success stories in India, for example. Um, I remember Richard Leftley, the the CEO founder of Micro Insure, telling me how when they launched a new product in India, uh, I forget the, the exact numbers, but it was, you know, day, day one, they sold a million policies. It was that, that kind of uh, scale. And he told me how they were just opening up the servers and throwing new hard drives in as fast as they could to, to deal with the demand and the speed. Um,
0: what did they sell?
1: I think it was, it was digital. Um, it was healthcare. Uh, these things are typically healthcare-based products or kind of clinical care type products. But the, the, the interesting um one of our big bets for 2021, one of the, the ideas that we think is going to um, get some traction in the insurance sector this year is the idea of taking some of the techniques from the micro insurance world in developing countries and take those techniques back into, the, into, into developed economies. So, um, we call this digital micro insurance, and the the thinking is is very broadly this that because of the um, the distribution challenges and the economic conditions in the countries where micro insurance has uh, has been born and, and developed the the mechanisms to distribute and service those policies has been. Uh, highly digitized and extremely efficient. So when you're selling a policy for a few cents a month, you can't afford for there to be any human contact. It it has to be an extremely automated, very, very low touch, very um, straightforward process. And, um, And so the micro insurers have actually developed digital straight through processing type capabilities, which are far more sophisticated and can run at far higher scale than any of the Western insurers are doing on their products, which are worth significantly more in premium terms. And so we see that just being a, a big opportunity for um, for insurers in developed economies to learn from and take examples from and techniques from the micro insurers and deploy them in in their world. And it may well be that this happens on, on, co- on quite kind of embedded insurance type policies. So um, I'm thinking, for example, of Zhong An over in China. They've sold tens of billions, tens of billions, right, of policies. Extraordinary volumes. They're all tiny policies sold often as an add-on to an online purchase. Um, but it's, it's that kind of thinking where we say, if could we distribute billions of very small policies at scale through digital micro insurance type techniques, but in Western sorry, Western and developed economies. So we think there's going
0: to be some interesting traction on that this year. And uh, we're starting to see the beginnings of that. They're mind blown by the numbers. You're talking about multi-billion in terms of policies. That's incredible. And it's amazing that they understand that the overhead and the most expensive part of insurance, especially when we're dealing with micro or nano insurance, is the human being. If we can take that part out especially for simple very defined policies that can that's something which is
1: no but you're you're onto it that's that that's the idea that's the idea is we 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 use the techniques that have been learned in developing economies to deploy these kind of mass mass but very very tiny policies into developed economies i think it's interesting um it's fascinating. And I think it's good to learn from, you know, one of the things about innovation, uh, a classic statement is necessity is the mother of invention. And so I'm a big fan of, of the concept of scarcity in innovation. Right? Every innovator wants as much budget and resources as possible to back their idea. But actually it's when you're operating in a position of scarcity that you drive focus and you drive experimentation, and you and you you force your decisions to be data led, rather than just throwing money at the wall. And so this the, the scarcity that has operated in these developing economies has created a set of innovations, which actually outstrip the innovations that we've built in in Western economies with much richer innovation budgets. And so it's that that um, principle
0: that's at work here, I think. So from small numbers, which actually are very, very big in terms of scale, let's talk about big numbers that are a few maybe, not really sure, and that's the intangible assets. That's also one of the things that you were talking about or you mentioned within your reports, and it was very fascinating to me when, you know, you had a quote from uh, John Neal, the CEO of Floyd's, that is talking about that 40 years ago, only 83 percent of uh, the S and P 500 companies, basically, th- their balance sheet was tangible assets. Now, only 17 percent of the tangible assets are uh, of their balance sheet is tangible assets. Um, where, where where do we stand with that? How do, what does it mean to ensure intangible assets? Because we are talking about in terms of value of 21 trillion dollars of intangible assets how does it work
1: well it's tough it doesn't work very easily is the answer right now but the but the point is that the balance has tipped from physical assets and offices and warehouses and factories and that kind of stuff stock to this intangible assets where it's about brand it's about reputation it's about ip and these things, we can't wrap a PNC policy around them. And, um, and so particularly in Lloyds and in, in, in some of the more innovative specialty carriers, there is this focus on, right? How do we understand risk around intangibles? And how do we, how do we quantify it? How do we use the old mechanics that, that we were taught as kind of early stage underwriters and actuaries? How do we use those techniques to value this stuff and understand peril in an intangible world? And the answer, I'm afraid, is that in many cases, it doesn't work. I'll give you one example. I've got a, I've got a crazy idea that um, normal insurance exists to, uh, to, to, to risk transfer the perils away from mainly physical assets, and that innovation As a methodology exists to take the risk away from or transfer the risk away from business models. Okay, so it deals with the perils associated with business models. Now, does that mean we could create an insurance policy for business model exploration? Could we could we insure innovation itself? All right. It's a, it's a crazy notion, but it's and uh, and it, and it breaks. Whenever I speak to to anyone at to, you know anyone far smarter than me at Lloyd's, they tell me it's utterly impossible because it uh, fails to understand the basic dynamics of of risk and underwriting and insurance. And it does at the moment, but um, we need to, to, to rethink how some of this stuff comes together. Because fundamentally, as an innovator, you know whether I'm. Well, if I use your your examples of the Venice, uh, you know the kind of the, the the ship owners in Venice or or the Lloyd's Cafe, um, they were taking a risk, and so the underwriters covered that risk. Um, as an innovator testing a new business model, and ninety's doing it all the time. We're 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 an innovation business. We're always innovating new business models, and maybe we'll talk about things like alchemy in a bit. But um, yeah. I'm taking a risk. There must be someone who'd be willing to underwrite that risk. At the moment, we call them venture
0: capitalists, right? I was just about to talk about carry and how it connects to Venice and the 20% that the ship captains used to take as part of the risk that they carry. Uh, they...
1: So there's this connection, you know, and, and actually, venture capitalists are being better underwriters of risk for entrepreneurs and for innovation than the insurers are so anyway innovation i would say and, and, and business model development and experimentation is a an intangible thing that the insurance sector is, is struggling to get their head around but sim- similarly yeah i the classic ones are ip brand reputation um data is is in there as well right it's non non-tactile uh the cyber innovation has has got closest to to solving that problem. But you can extrapolate this intangible thing into other types of insurance. So in life insurance, what's the intangible, right? Because in life insurance, we're underwriting the fact that I'm alive, my heart is beating, but there's an intangible thing about my life, which is my memories. So how do I underwrite someone's memory and the, the happy memories
0: how do you underwrite the, the spirit of a person
1: right well that that, that probably goes before <laughs> yeah now you now you're blowing my mind um but but you know you could dial it back our memories and happiness that's a big intangible concept but you could wind it back and say my personal reputation could that be underwritten right If if my business reputation can be underwritten which is starting to become possible how does my personal reputation get underwritten what about my historic legacy what are the intangible things that I value about my life and that you value about your life, and how do we how do we create risk transfer and risk management products around that? And I appreciate these. The, this concept sounds far fetched, but perhaps in fifty years, perhaps in one hundred and fifty years, these things may exist and someone will have designed them. Uh, and so I'm, I'm I'm curious about them.
0: Yeah, I think it's also where. Uh a philosophical question that many people here in the US deal with it i wouldn't say daily basis but it comes up daily because it has a little bit um, political connection and that's the pursuit of happiness the american dream the worst and world dream we all have that type of a dream of happiness so that can be an interesting intangible thing that you may be able to underwrite, because it will go hand in hand with freedom and other human rights uh, uh, basics and foundations, but it's it's a very interesting concept, especially when, and it's connected to another thing that you guys are dealing with, which is sustainability.
1: Now, well, sustainability, I, this is the, for me, this is the big one at the moment, so um for your for your listeners the uh at 90 because we are deeply curious about ideas and in insurance around the world we, we track them right so we look at the, the world's top 250 insurance businesses and we look at what are they doing what are they innovating what are they launching yeah a bunch of those are working with us on some of those ideas so we have a, a privileged view of that too but we we run analysis and once a year we publish a report called the idea pulse which looks at these things Um, and we published that last in uh, November and in that we we place a number of bets. So if we were an insurer, we would place five bets for 2021. Um, We've talked about a couple of them, right? Intangible assets um, is one of our five big bets. Um, The the digital micro-insurance concept is another. But uh, but another and, and I think one of the biggest ones for this year is sustainability and ESG. Um, so this is not ESG and sustainability for the sake of CSR. Okay. So this is just to, to be clear. This is not about...
0: Uh, let me stop you for a second. ESG stands for environmental...
1: Yeah. Um, sustainability and governance. Um, so this is not about um, insurers innovating for the sake of, of their public image. OK, this is not about them turning the lights off in their office at night or, you know, switching the photocopiers off. This is about them finding ways to create social, socially responsible impact beyond their businesses. So an example of that would be thinking about the supply chain and thinking about what are the materials used in the supply chain and what are the conditions in the supply chain. Um If you're an organization, if you're, let's say, a a personal lines carrier and you've got 5 million, 10 million motor customers, how can what you do with those 5 to 10 million help the way that they drive or the the vehicle choices or the fuel choices that they make be more sustainable? so it's, about, it's thinking that way, it's thinking bigger about how can we increase our sustainable footprint on the world or <laughs> I guess the other way around, right, how can we decrease our footprint on the planet? Um, and we've seen a, a huge rise in the amount of sustainable innovation from insurers and reinsurers over this last year. If I, if I put this, I'll try and make this stark for you. Um, Up until about June last year, in all the years of 90s trading, all the clients we work with, all the big insurers around the world, we had never had a sustainability uh, initiative, maybe maybe apart from the vaccines one uh, which I referred to. Um, In the summer of last year, suddenly, project after project was coming in with a an ESG or a CSR sustainability climate change focus and suddenly 40% of all the work we were doing was sustainability in focus Um, I can give you some examples without naming names but these are all big global insurance businesses Um, so one was working with us to look at uh, developing products for the renewable energy industry another was looking with us at um, using Uh, 100-year climate modeling all right so quite sophisticated uh, yeah quite sophisticated climate models to provide a a a new service to the construction industry this is commercial pnc stuff um to the to the the construction industry to help them plan the uh urban planners and large construction projects where are you going to site your project and what is the 100-year risk from climate change to your project right so starting to provide some risk engineering around climate um, so that was another one another uh large reinsurer worked with us to um that's uh so this was looking at directors and officers liability product, and it was what we were innovating was could we build into a dno product now something that would protect Directors and officers in the future from the climate and ESG consequences of decisions they take now. It's so almost a almost an ethical type risk product. Um, so we saw a lot of a lot of activity kicking off last summer, and that has continued. Um, Ping an over in China, they, um, yeah, they they talk about having more than five hundred separate sustainable insurance products just in PNC. And then another whole bunch in life and health um, there's some really Zurich insurance is doing some cool stuff in there their risk engineering function has helped the group to uh, deal with its climate risk and has now turned that that know-how into a climate risk engineering service that they're charging out to their clients um, a lot of good examples of this um, that I could talk you through but it's, it's something that we're seeing a huge amount of uh, Pace on, I would say we're seeing more uh, more of this uh, amongst the European insurers, continental European insurers, think AXA, Allianz, Swiss Re, Zurich, Generali, Mapfre, um, than we are from the American carriers right now. But um, I have to believe that the American carriers will be uh, will be following suit
0: on this before too much longer. And I will just give a quick shout out to. Uh, Veronica Scotti from Swiss Re, and that's the way that I learned about the impact of sustainability.
1: Yeah, well, what, what the the, it, it, Gilad, for, for your listeners, um, two or three of my colleagues are actually on the verge, I think, of, of uh, launching a white paper on this topic, right? Kind of sustainability and insurance, why it matters and how how you can use social innovation techniques to solve sustainability challenges in insurance. Um, So any listeners who'd be interested in that, just uh, visit the 90.com
0: site, and you'll be able to download that for free. Now, I would love to talk about, you know, the Star Tree, ReCover Re, although it should have been ReCover, and the Black Swan Re, but I would more love to hear about what is the alchemy And your partnership with Sabine and Ming, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, of course. This is uh, this is exciting. So Alchemy or Alchemy Crew is um, uh, a new joint venture between ninety. I'm I'm involved on behalf of ninety between ninety between Sabine Vanderlinden, Linden, who set up startup bootcamp in ShoreTech and Hartford's in ShoreTech Hub and Min Tran, who is well known for his investment, um, kind of innovation, investment and, and venture capital um background and experience for people like Axonext and so on. And um we came together about a year ago really recognizing the strengths that each of us could bring. Um 90 and its pedigree and, and capabilities around helping insurers solve innovation problems uh, directly. Sabine with her uh, strong understanding and pedigree in the venturing world and connecting um, powerful new ventures to uh, insurer challenges and then Min who brings that investment experience and corporate venture capital understanding and ability to connect the chief investment officer's funds to uh, innovation. And um, came together, uh, we are the crew, that uh, sits behind Alchemy. And Alchemy's mission really is to, to to de-risk venturing for insurers. And so that's up and running and initial projects are underway. And a um, number of things that Alchemy does, uh, Sabine is the managing partner there, the rest of us are co-founders and, and supporters in various ways. But the, uh, at its heart, there's a, a process called the reinvention engine, which takes a big... Um, a big uh, insurance problem and goes out to the venture market and says, right, can we find a bold, brave new world venture that is mature enough to engage with a corporate and and isn't just from the world of insure tech, right? That may be from uh, uh, any tech uh, line that you care to pick that might come and work in partnership with or take investment from or be acquired by or take insurance capacity from this, in, this incumbent in order to solve that particular business challenge. And so there's a, the, the reinvention engine process is a, is a four month um, accelerated process, which uh, goes about understanding the problem, scouting the world of reg tech and prop tech and every other tech you can think of, including tech but not just, looking for those um, perhaps more mature scale-ups rather than the early stage startups and then connecting them back into a commercialization sprint. So right, let's actually get the, the value of this venture connected into this incumbents business problem. So that's, um, that's Alchemy. It's working on some problems uh, already with some carriers, um, at least one of which is in that sustainability space that we've spoken about. Yeah, so excited to see how that develops over time, and it's a pleasure to be working with Sabine uh, and with Min. Um, great team.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much for sharing. And now the question, because we don't have much time, and although I would love to continue digging and exploring all the different areas that you are working on, can you give me, um, or actually to the audience, because we do that every week, can can you provide a book recommendation before we say goodbye and farewell?
1: Sure. Well, I'm going to be cheeky and recommend a book that I've not read, but, okay that, um but that i know is is a good book um so at 90 we kind of run a little bit of a library we we buy in a bunch of innovation books and our team reads them and we give them out to clients and 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 folk around the market just to just to keep developing um thinking and the book uh, that i'd recommend to your listeners is called beyond the idea beyond the idea um subtitle how to execute innovation in any organization and um, this is a book I've given to a number of people. Um, it's by uh, two authors, Vijay Govin Darajan and Chris, T- uh, Chris Trimble. And um, I know that this has has really helped a number of people in how they think about the portfolio of ideas that they manage and how they work them through the process, uh, often a convoluted process in a, a traditional, mainly BAU-type organization. That's the, the world we inhabit, right, the incumbent space so beyond the idea um comes highly recommended not just by me but by everyone else who's read it
0: (laughs) fantastic thank you very much dan it's been a pleasure thank you for spending an hour uh, well an hour while recording it will be five minutes to uh, 30 minutes post-production time with me thank you it's
1: it's been a pleasure thank you for the conversation and take care